Welcome to the Think Education podcast, uh, a rather strange one today. It's uh, just Judith and myself. We, uh, we've gone back old school and just uh, having a, a, a more one-on-one conversation. Um, and today's topic is going to be, uh, well, we're going to attempt to talk about leadership within uh, higher education. Uh, this is obviously connected to I mean, I guess we're at Judith. Many of the talks we've had in the in the past. I mean, almost all of our international voices have have touched on aspects of leadership at many many different levels. I mean, we've talked about governmental, we've talked about institutional. Uh, I mean, even students. Um, and so today we're going to attempt to talk about leadership. Uh, you've held many senior positions uh, at, at top universities. How how do you? I was going to say, how do you understand leadership? That, that doesn't sound right. But I mean, what, when you think of leadership within your context, what, what does it make you think of? Like, what, what's the sort of approach you take to, to this? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting topic, isn't it, Chris? Because where, wherever you are and wherever you sit within your institution, you always connect into leadership in some shape or form. And you probably are. Um, a, a leader, whoever you are and wherever you are. If you see, I mean, certainly if you're an academic member of staff, you know, there's an aspect of leadership that you have with your students, mm-hmm. particularly as a lot of our students are, you know, mature students um, and, you know, students themselves, obviously, who are, who are adults. So there's that side of it. And then, of course, there is, there is you know, the, the actual sort of leader that you might be within your department or within your faculty or within the university itself. You know, you might lead or manage or run a program. Mm. You might lead or manage a department. You might, you know, have an institute. You might have a a faculty. You might have a university, you know. So I I think there are two things that that strike me when I think about leadership. I suppose on the one hand, it's the very basic, you know, actual what what leader are you mm-hmm. you know what 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 are, are you a head of a department are you a pro vice chancellor are you a professor of you know higher education so there's that, that side of it and then i think you know so it's the who side then there's the the side that is probably what type of leader are you what values do you have you know how do you how do you demonstrate and sort of a, affect your leadership uh, within the institution that you've been placed or, you know, within within the network of institutions or just the broader network that you've, you've got. And I suppose, like yourself, Chris, if I think of then about other people, you know, I've encountered many different types of leaders sure. in my time yeah. in higher education. Um, some more effective than others and I'm sure people would always say that not only about other people but possibly about themselves um, and and, I, and in some ways the more experience I get as a leader the more it makes me reflect and think back at the leaders that I have had mm. um, and potentially what I um, learned from them at the time when I didn't probably realise that was happening Sure. And actually even learn from them, even though I might not have seen them for 20 years. I look back and I think, oh, you know that person that was I was reporting into then or that was leading the department or whatever. 
now I can see the kind of things that they were doing. I wonder if they were doing it on purpose or not. You know, or I wonder if they were. It was just their their natural style. You know, accidental so leadership. Things, really? Yeah. Yeah, and um, and so thinking of the first one, which I suppose is a little bit a little bit easier. You know, I think if if we've got if you've got a head of department or if you've got a head of faculty or you know a, a head of school or a head of vice chancellor or head of a university you know sometimes how those leaders behave you almost take the leadership as a given mm. because of the title that they've got if you see what i mean it's like i'm head of something therefore i must be a leader yeah um so you don't really often i don't really often think of that but i, I guess what i do respond to is the type of leader that they are and how that connects in with the type of person that i am and how I might respond or not, you know, to certain types of leadership as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it? There's obviously about the many different types of leadership. And <laughs> I wonder, I mean, we academics are a peculiar um, breed of people. Um, and I, I must be amongst, I mean, not the, but must be up there and amongst the hardest type of people to manage and, and lead because we... We argue yeah. for a living, right? And, and we disagree with everything on principle because to agree, you know, takes away our sort of academic power. And, and so we're, um, uh, it's funny because I remember one of my, uh, my former bosses uh, in Malaysia, who was an excellent, excellent boss, um, uh, he always used, he, he didn't come up with this, but he always used to refer, you know, to academics as trying to herd cats and, you know, just that, that push and yeah. pull. And it's funny, I often wonder what the collective noun for academics should be and I, I wonder if it's just an argument like if it's an argument of academics <laughs> yes. might actually be the, the the right thing but it, it makes me wonder particularly you know we've talked a lot about international higher education and we've talked about identity at home we've talked about identity abroad we've had you know we've had you know some excellent guests on who talked about these different experiences and that's sort of that role of leadership exporting leadership where you know, you're you're then in a completely different context with with completely different people who have a completely yeah. different culture. And I'm really struck by an experience I had in Malaysia, where at, at that sort of early stage of the, of the the campus development, you had a lot of seconded staff, and and so the senior leadership was sort of on a, a two or three year you know secondment. Um, obviously, building the institutional you know connection with the the home campus, you know, and, and sort of helping build the processes, but. You know, in a way when, you know, a new boss comes in and then changes everything because they want to stamp their own identity, there was this real feeling that the staff at the university were the equivalent of the civil service. And the new the new leader or the new new VP or dean or whichever title it was, was the equivalent of the temporary prime minister. And the civil servants could just be like, we can just wait you out. You know, you know literally, we're in the business of running things day to day. And these new ideas, and, and often they're mismatched because the, the, maybe the culture doesn't work or the resources aren't there. or the, They're not necessarily bad ideas. They're just, you know, sometimes not very feasible. And you just had the, the body of the, the, the you know, the, the workforce sort of sitting back and going, yeah, mm-hmm, okay. Because, you know, the clock's ticking and you're, you're leaving in 18 months. So, uh, you know, and then the next one's coming in. And, and, you know, that sort of function of leadership being very much situational, right, as well as, as uh, idealistic or, or, or whatever the, the other motivational words might be. Um, but by contrast, I, rem- I remember an example that 
I mean, really scared me. It, it was really unsettling. So we would occasionally be visited by the, the vice chancellor who'd come out to the, the Nottingham Malaysia campus, uh, Professor David Greenway. And he was, you know, he was up here, right? He was, you know, you'd, you'd might stand next to him in the graduation line, but he was still, he's a vice chancellor, right? And so, you know, he'd, he'd sort of nod politely and, and you know, and he'd, he'd talk with everybody and anybody. And he was a very nice man, but always at a, you know, you were always very conscious that there was a distance between you because, you know, at the level where I was, you know, and my, my team and my colleagues, we, you know, and, um, but he only ever saw me in, in context. And then one point I was back on the UK campus because I used to go each year for sort of, you know, just regular work uh, meetings and stuff. And I'm waiting outside the, the main administrative building and it's a December morning. So I'm wearing, you know, I'm used to Malaysia weather. So I'm wearing thick coats and I've got a scarf on. I've got a hat pulled down. So there's not much of my face visible. And I'm waiting at the main door for one of my colleagues to come to come out. And the VC, Dave Greenway, walks out of the door, glances up, says, ah, morning, Chris, and keeps walking. Like, how does he know my name? And how does he know who I am here? Right, you know, that he might remember who I am if he sees me outside my department in Malaysia. But there's no way he was expecting to see me. And it was just, you know, he knew the names of my team in Malaysia, which, you know, was a big deal for, for my local colleagues. You know? um, and that was both a, you know, wow, what a great leader. And, oh, no, he knows who I am. That's sort of that mixed, <laughs> mixed reality. Um, but, yeah, that was a, that was a really interesting um, experience uh, to to have had, um, yeah. I, I, so I was I was just curious what you know, given that you've you've obviously also moved, you've moved around um, and had experience in leadership roles from one place abroad and then abroad at the same time, right? So it's it's. I was just wondering what mm. what that's like to 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 manage from from that perspective. That's um, yeah, and, and I, I, just as, as you were were speaking there, though, uh, of course, one of the things I was just thinking was what might the collective noun for, you know, academic speech. So I spent the next few minutes just thinking about that. Um, I was thinking more of a debate. I don't know. Yeah, no, so, so that debate's so the, the nicer a little, version. A little bit provocative. <laughs> See, we're actually arguing uh, yeah, about the definition. We're not arguing about yes. <laughs> Yes. We will continue doing this. Yes, yes. Spirited debate. Ended, obviously, and we'll be sending emails to each other for the next week with regard to what the collective noun will be. Quite right. We'll let you all know. And, it, and any future guests. The edge of your seat. Absolutely. Next, and and any future podcast. guests, please bring your ideas because um, I would like to. I'd please like to bring hear your what, own yeah. collective <laughs> yeah. noun with you. Yeah, and the other thing I, that I was thinking about was I stopped thinking about collective nouns. Uh, was um, was what it then made me think of when you were talking about David Greenaway was also how some vice chancellors because we both work at universities so vice chancellors how they seem to want to be remembered hmm. and you will have some won't you that it would seem that what they really want particularly if they're just about to retire so this is you know the last time they're going to have a chance to make a major impact potentially is there's a building or they'll change something or they'll put up a new building or they'll do something quite dramatic but all, almost also it, there has to be something there so you can see it and evidence it you know um, 
And yet, actually, does that really make a difference? Is it just another building mm. on a site with lots of big buildings and fancy buildings or already? Um, or do they, do they in, a, in a sense, settle in themselves to know that people will be impacted by them and remember them and they will have had an effect on people that is positive, you know, and potentially reflective, but they don't actually know what that is. And they've got to be comfortable with that. So, and, and maybe they'll, they'll actively go about ensuring that they do remember people's names mm. and that they do remember conversations that people have had and what is important to those individuals and that they will talk to, you know, everybody that's there with them, students, staff members, all staff members, you know yeah and and it's interesting i think the type of leader you might necessarily be able to be depending on which of those and possibly the more confident ones mm. um don't need a big building to prove to themselves that they've been a vice chancellor and and they've made an impact and probably it's just enough to know that they've behaved in the best way that they can that they've tried to do the best that they can for their institution for their students and for the partners and for the alumni you know and and that's as much as anybody can ask. And that's just one thing. So it's not, that's not. I will come back to answer your question. But that was just something that I was thinking about. You know, do you? And I, and and I suppose actually that's not just a leadership point, is it? Many of us certainly as teachers. Yes, yeah, I was thinking exactly the same thing. School or higher education yep. or anything like that. You know, we will have made hopefully for the good. You know, a significant impact on individuals without even knowing it. Yeah. There might have just been words that we'd said or things that we've done. And I think if you can therefore, I suppose, take that that genuine quality of being a decent human being into leadership, I think that's probably as good a leader yeah. as that's ever going to make anybody. You know, yes, you want people to have a clarity of vision. Yes, you want them to a certain amount of gravitas and they've got to behave you know, in the way in which they need to behave in certain situations. That certainly if you're running a university, you seem to have to be, know everything about everything and all types of research that the institution does and all the types of courses that they run, etc. But again, you probably take that a little bit as a, as a given, mm. just as a student takes as a given that their teacher should know more than they do about the subject that they're teaching. But actually, thinking about the people that you lead, um, being mindful of who they are, what they're doing, what challenges they might have in their lives that you might not know about and you don't need to know it, but you just need to know that they've got lives and how therefore you you deal with that, you know, I think is really important. And, and, and I was just thinking about this the other day, actually, um, when we were, when we, you know, doing the, the book that we were doing and I was thinking about the chapter that we're writing together on 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 trends and and there's a little bit in there about you know the fact that the university is you know universities now like colleges and schools because of because of not just because of covid but but probably accelerates because of covid you know are, are always on mm. there's never a point when okay they were never nine to five but they were probably at a certain point at least seven thirty to seven yeah. <laughs> you know there were times 
let's forget international higher education here because it's sure, obviously sure. yeah, yeah, yes. 24-7. But where you actually are, certainly before you had email, before you had telephone, yeah, iPhones and things like that, there was a point when you felt as though you could, you could turn the off switch on and you could go and watch bad television or read what would have been then the latest uh, Terry Patchett. Now you just got to go and read, reread your, your, your favourite ones. Um, and I think sometimes we don't think about the impact of that for all of our staff members. And I, I did, so a couple of days ago, I got an email from a senior leadership team colleague at 6.30 in the morning. Now, I know it's because this colleague gets up really early, you know, and they, and, and, and no doubt they had a, they, they were doing their email before they hopped in the car and then before they went to university. And um, it didn't, the, the person wasn't sending it to me with an expectation that they were going to get a reply at 6.35. Well, not a reply they wanted to the question anyway. Um, they might have got a reply, but not one that they were seeking out. Um, and, it, and it did make me think when I, when I then, checked in on on my uh, email and I thought goodness me that person um, was sending things at half past six you know and then on the same day I got an email from somebody else in the leadership team clearly more of a, a night owl at half past ten and and obviously that person had had a full day of meetings and then maybe went and did something or had their dinner and then would do it in a few emails now I understand that and I guess we're all in the you know, in the same team, and as I neither were expecting a response there and then. But I was just reflecting on the fact that I'm, I'm sure that there are a lot of people, either now or certainly during COVID, you know, how many people started an email that said, I, I know it's a Sunday, but, or I know you're on holiday, but, you know, or I, I know it's... Um, eight in the evening so please don't think you have to respond but and I don't think we always realize the impact that that will have on people Mm. I I think sometimes most of the time individuals are doing it because they are busy themselves and that's the time that they've got to do it and they want to clear their inbox and clear their desk so I don't think they're doing it to you know look as though they're clever in any way uh, because look at me, I'm working 24 yeah, seven, yeah. so I, I must be a leader, mustn't I? Um, but I do think it can have a negative effect on other individuals, particularly more junior members of staff or people themselves who want to be leaders, who you know almost feel as though they've you know that they've got to behave like that in order to to prove that um, yeah. you know they're 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 more senior. And and I personally, I think, and I'm not advocating that people, you know, switch off at five o'clock or, you know, you would, won't, won't, we'll only ever do anything between nine and five and have an hour for lunch because we don't live in that kind of world and we don't have that, those kind of jobs. But do you think we need to be mindful mm. as leaders of what effect our actions can have? Now, sometimes there, there might need to be Something urgent where you need to contact somebody. Yeah. Could be something with students, something like happened to students, something like happened to a member of staff. Then if it's a genuine emergency or something urgent, people will respond, won't they? Yeah. People will or you know, you'll send somebody a text or whatever. And it will be something where, well, goodness me, this person will never do that unless it's urgent. So yeah. I need to yeah, yeah. take this call or something. And I and I think that's something that 
I suppose then stepping into the international sphere, I've tried to be mindful of, but I don't think I always have been. And it's almost like I need one of those little sticky post-its on my screen because I'm old and the sticky post-its, I'm sure there's a technical, mm. technological equivalent of that. But anyway, sticky post-it for me, saying things such as, remember, remember people in Dubai are four hours ahead. Yeah. Therefore, do not send email at this time uh, or text as phone will ping and fellow writer in book will get slightly annoyed with you because yeah. either you've woken them up at four in the morning or it's midnight. And I, and I think sometimes those kind of things, particularly when you're working in the international space, you've just got to be mindful of yeah. mental health, well-being and work-life balance. It's funny. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you don't have to worry about um, bothering me. I turn my phone off at night, so that's, that's fine. But um, I remember... Um, quite a few years ago now I had a, a job interview uh, so I was based in Malaysia at the time I had a job interview for an American university on the west coast so in California now obviously significant time difference between you know California and Malaysia and uh, and they set up the interview and it was for four o'clock in the morning my time so I said to them, I was like, well, is there any chance we can we can have it at a different time because it is four o'clock in the in the morning? No, no, we've we've already got them set. And, you know, we we need to have the um, the interviews like with the East Coast at the right time and this and that. And so when the interview took place, I purposefully set my my laptop up facing outside of my apartment in pitch black. And um, they're, they're sort of, you know, staring at me like, no, no, it's four in the morning. Like, I, I don't know if the interview panel and the administrative, you know, set up are the same group of people, but I'm like, you know, and, um, you know, the job was for the Dean of Internationalization. Like, oh, what would you do? And I was like, well, I'd probably get you guys a clock and a map and uh, have some understanding of the fact that, you know, <laughs> there are different time zones in the, I didn't get the job, but I mean, um, yeah, it was uh, just that interesting I noticed actually with um, uh, a very recent conference, um, and now it's embarrassing because I can't remember them, but um, Fabrizio uh, Truffaut was involved and they purposefully set times uh, to cater for the different time zones. So like at one point it's it's like five in the yeah. morning in UK to balance out for some of the rest of the world. I thought that was a, a really very inclusive way of, of recognising that you know, people are everywhere, right? And um, um, yeah, so no, very, very interesting, and and obviously not 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 easy to do. But I mean, I think this nature of, of setting unrealistic expectations for for colleagues, or particularly for junior colleagues, where you know there is that that yeah, there's the need to try and prove or balance or reach or meet something and, and you know oh should, should I be no you should not be writing an email at nine o'clock at night um, and as you say in many cases people are very busy and it's this I want this cleared off my desk because I want my weekend so I'm going to send it now I had a Nottingham colleague who used to hold all his emails until um, 4.58 and <laughs> on a Friday and then just hit yes. send and be like I'm done for the weekend <laughs> I'll deal with it on Monday and you think yeah oh that's quite quite clever um, I was wondering and I'm, I've been trying to work out how to phrase this question uh, without it making it sound either trite or just so enormously broad. 
But I was wondering if it would be possible for us to have a, a conversation about women in leadership um, in higher education. Um, <clears throat> I've been, I mean, lucky, I guess, is the right word, but, you know, essentially every boss I've ever had has been female. And so to me, it's, a, it, it's kind of just a normal, you know, structure within, within the, the scope. Um, uh, it wasn't towards the, till the, towards the end of, of Nottingham, Malaysia, where I had a, a male boss. Um, and now back here in Dubai, I have a, a female dean uh, who's who's heading my department as well. Uh, and I've had many conversations with my dean about, you know, just st- structural challenges, cultural challenges, just, you know, reality of things said. Oh, I, I, maybe they didn't mean that. Well, it, it kind of doesn't matter that they didn't mean it. It's still said. And, and the more things are said, the more no, sort of normal it be, or normalized it becomes. Um you know, and, and I was just wondering what it, you know, again, I can't, I can't really work out how to phrase the question, but I'm, I'm just genuinely interested because, you know, you've, you've held senior positions in, in different organizations. So perhaps have a perspective on, 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 you know, different sort of institutional approaches to this. Um, I was just, just, I'm just interested to hear, hear what you, it's, you know. Yeah, it is. It's something I've talked about with colleagues. I, I suppose ever since I've been in higher education to, to be honest, and and reflecting back, you know, if I think there are there are definitely more women in leadership roles in higher education now, and certainly when I started mm-hmm. at, un, at universities, even in in the in the early nineties, um, when you might have had one or two, either heads of school or or faculty or, or college, and possibly one on the um, executive team, although. Certainly when I was a very junior lecturer, I remember, I don't think, I didn't even think that No, far. no, no, no. Up Head of school change, was as honest. far as it you went. Know, I was right? where I was. Head of school was it, yeah. you know. And I think I've been very lucky in that certainly in the early years for me, I had some excellent leaders and heads of department and heads of school, as were then, and I think in particular now, of, of the University of Birmingham, where I spent, you know, 15 years, both male and female, you know, and I suppose the female ones did even, and certainly at that time when there were there were fewer around, did make me think, oh, well, you know, Alex is there and she's leading this department and, you know, she's, she's fantastic. That, on the one hand, that means, you know, there's a route there and definitely women can do it. On the other, though, you there were people such as somebody like Alex Hughes, who was just so wonderful that I would often think, well, I can't be anything <laughs> like as good as that. So I'm a bit intimidated now, quite frankly. Yeah. So, but, but you know, so there were people that, I know the word role model has, has sort of fallen out of favour a bit, but anyway, I'm still going to say role model. Um, somebody that made me think, there's somebody a bit like me in that sort of position. That means that if I work hard yeah. and I do my best, then I can get there because other people have. I've also been really lucky to have some, you know, male heads of department and heads of school and faculty who have been fantastically supportive. And I know the first time that I became a head of department myself and um, and I was talking then to the to the then head of a department who was about to retire. And he said, and, and, and this was back in the day when actually then the department itself could sort of choose who was going to be its next its next leader, you know, and, and he said, well, we, 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 obviously we're going to ask people across the department to to um, put their, throw their caps in the ring. And 
well, you'll do that, won't you? And I was like, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm, I'm ready yet. He said, yes, you are. I said, go on, have a, have a go. And, you know, and I really, I haven't thought of it myself. And I think sometimes, and again, this is a bit broad brush, but um, in my experience, I think very often women tend to want to think either I've done that or, you know what, I'm pretty sure I can do 95% of that role, yeah. so I'm going to go for it. And I know, again, I know it's a massive generalisation. Yeah. But there are men that have gone for things where I think, seriously, what on earth? You're not even doing the job you're doing. The yeah. fact that you think that then you can do the job that, that yeah. is even, you know, more senior. So so there's always been that. But sometimes, though, I've also probably been a bit naive and I've been a bit disappointed with some women in leadership roles because I don't think they always realise the impact that they can have, have on young female members of, of of staff, you know, in terms of providing that support as role models, not letting them do things that other people mm. should be doing, you know, not not um, showing any sort of form of favouritism. And, you know, some of the female leaders I've had seem to be the opposite, really. It's almost like, well, I'm a woman in this position and I'm doing, going to do my best to not particularly support yeah. women in that position. So, it, so you'll get good ones who will support... And then particularly target, you know, people where they, they know that maybe there's um, there's a hesitancy there and you can see somebody's potential and you want to say, you know what, go for it. It's all right if you don't get it, that's fine. Yeah. And it's all right if you get it and you don't exactly know everything about what you're doing because you'll learn. Yeah. And I will never forget, and this is a, a phrase that one of my first male vice chancellors I reported into um, said to me when I went into his office slightly despairing one day because he'd given me particular tasks to do within an area and I was meant to be heading up all their international stuff and there was another area that, that he needed somebody on the senior leadership team to take responsibility for and um, and there were only like six of us so it, it had to be and, and he said well Judith can you lead on this and I remember going into his office going I've never done this before <laughs> I have no idea and he just looked at me and he said it's all right you're bright you'll pick it up and that was, that it. was it. That was my pep talk. Yeah. And I went out and I, just, and, and I remember pausing outside his office thinking, well, all right, actually, you know, yeah. maybe I'll, I just need to find out about this and I can, and I can lead it and I can bring people together to, to lead an agenda and work on something. And it doesn't have to be about knowing everything to do with everything within that area. Yeah. It is more about how you lead it. And so, you know, so I think... I, I've had that experience of, of sometimes being a woman in leadership and, and feeling as though I've, I've you know, had the opportunity and I've, I've been given that support. And, and other times it's probably just about noting that good leaders are good, good leaders wherever they come from, whoever they are, yeah, yeah. and whether they're, you know, male, female, whatever, you know. And, and, um, and I suppose I have, therefore myself tried to learn from from people where I thought and I've like I said you know a little while ago reflect back and think about leaders that I've had and they don't even know the kind of impact that they've had I think the most important thing for me now is being genuine Hmm. is being who you are 
obviously being appropriate in the sure yeah, yeah. Right situations particularly in international higher education you know if you're going to be going overseas to different countries you'll have sometimes a personal opinion about things that you have to slightly put put aside um but if you are genuine and if you have respect for people respect for the individual and respect for the culture in which you're living and operating then i think probably that's as good as you can get and if people remember you fondly and you might make that little bit of a difference in somebody's life and you don't even actually know about it then hopefully thinking about that will be something where you can really make that lasting impact and wouldn't it be nice if you know if when you're either no longer working in leadership anymore when somebody turns and says do you remember that Judith Lammy who was you know pro vice chancellor at Swansea or Derby or whatever and somebody turns back and goes yeah she was all right really wasn't she and that'd be okay yeah. I, I could deal with that as a leader I wouldn't want a building uh, you know or anything like that I'd, I'd just like people to think she was all right really mm. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> and I think that's I think that's as good a place as any to end it right it's uh, be authentic be genuine and and yeah do good for the sake of doing good right it's I mean it's an interesting idea that you know what I'm getting from what you're saying is you know the leader is not the story right the, the leader is helping people to create the story but the leader that in and of themselves is not or shouldn't necessarily be the the focal point right it's um you know as you say, if, I remember um, a comment Andrew Disbury made about, you know, that the teacher of his in school that sort of pushed him towards um, learning Mandarin and that opened up his whole world. And then he was able to, uh, you know, yes. to go back and he was helping the kid of that teacher, you know, and it was just, I mean, that's that's a massive impact. That's, you know, that's just somebody being aware, somebody like your head of school. No, no, go, go for it. Why not? I mean, I've read that statistic too, where, you know, men will apply for jobs even if we're maybe 40% of the job we can do and women it's like well if it's not 90-95% there's no point wasting their time and you think Pff. I mean it's probably not just men I think it's white men in particular but you know it's it's like well that's ridiculous yeah. it's um, you know you, you do need people just to give you the nudge and you know and support along the way so wonderful so leadership then we've solved that good that took us thirty less than 35 yeah. minutes well alright so um <laughs> Next, we'll pick something harder to, to talk about, I guess. <laughs> Next, what is the collective noun? Absolutely. For academic for members academics, of staff. Yeah. Yes. Um, the longest podcast in the history of podcasts. Yeah, or the shortest because we argue and then hang up on each other inside of 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you very much for that, as always. And um, I hope everybody tunes in to... Uh, shortcoming and forthcoming episodes and um, thank you very much.